This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas in educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brim. Nine public service providers are suing Navian, the student debt service provider, for providing misleading and inaccurate information. They allege that Navian engaged in predatory lending, more interested in turning a profit than finding them the best repayment plan. Some of the loan servicers, like Navian, um, were giving people really bad information, and that was part of the problem. It was almost as if the Department of Education and these loan servicers are all conspiring against borrowers to, to get this relief. My guest today is Randy Weingarten, president of the American Federation of Teachers. ATF has been helping their members navigate the student loan industry. What they found was shocking. And Betsy DeVos's Department of Education granted forgiveness to 96 people of the 28,000 who applied. So we knew something was really, really wrong because this was sold And when you look at the law, this was supposed to be something that was an incentive, not something that was a hoax. For Randy, there is a legal and an electoral path to find justice for student loan borrowers. So we felt like we needed to do more than just the student debt clinics. We had to actually try and enforce the law and make sure that justice could be served for the thousands and maybe millions of people who have really taken it on the chin here. Randy Weingarten, welcome to Fresh Ed. It's great to be with you, Will. So can you tell me a little bit about this public service loan forgiveness program? What what exactly is it? So about 10 years ago or so, uh, Ted Kennedy, the then U.S. Senator from Massachusetts, got George Bush to actually sign into law something called the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. And what that did was it said that if you had worked as a teacher, as a nurse, as a cop, a firefighter, or in some other public service, that after 10 years of being employed in that profession, your loans for college would be forgiven. So, you know, there were other um, requirements, like you had to do 10 years of qualifying payments or things like that. But it was uh, in recognition of the fact that these jobs, which are so important for the um, public good, the common good, that, that a recognition that while they don't pay as much as they should, if people went into these jobs or into the service of others, there should be some um, incentive for that and some recognition. And what better recognition than to basically forgive their loans? And so we, we know that you know there's something like $1.5 trillion worth of student debt currently. Of that number, do, do you know, do we know how many people in public service carry debt, student debt? Well, most, since most people in public service have to go through some um, 
undergraduate or graduate, some college training, um, we know that 32 million people will ultimately be eligible for public service loan forgiveness. It was a, it's a lot of people that could ultimately be eligible. Um, and so that covers a lot of the debt that people have because, frankly, um, there's no school, um, maybe with the exception of some community colleges, um, that, that either public or private, that doesn't charge some tuition these days. In, in fact, tuition costs in the United States have gone up, I think, since 1983. The cost of higher education has grown, uh, grown more than 700%. And over 40 million people in the U.S. have taken student loans out, totaling, as I said, $1.5 trillion. So I don't know what the one-to-one correspondence is, but you could just assume a whole bunch of those 32 million who would be eligible are part of the 40 million who have student loan debt. But this is the other piece, Will, which is why you know we and others have started to explore some remedies, some judicial remedies, because... You know, the 10-year period of time, the first time somebody could be eligible to have their loan forgiven was about 20, 2017. This was passed in 2007. And 28,000 people applied for um, this forgiveness. And Betsy DeVos's Department of Education, she is the secretary of the Department of Education, her department granted forgiveness to 96 people of the 28,000 who applied. So we knew something was really, really wrong because this was sold. And when you look at the law, this was supposed to be something that was an incentive, not something that was a hoax. That is unbelievable. 96 people out of 28,000 people were granted this this forgiveness. Correct. What were some of the reasons why people were denied? The paperwork, the loans um, had not been qualified or the payments had not been qualified. They did not have the right certification. It was a lot of looking for reasons to deny as opposed to finding reasons to accept. And then when you when you start deconstructing these issues because our union, frankly, has been very involved in trying to help people for a couple of years now. We, we've done surveys of our own members and we've seen that eight out of 10 of our members in a recent survey has said that the, their student loans are really challenging to their lives. We've had in some of the surveys we've done We've seen people who are on the brink of, of real mental fatigue or huge anxiety to the point that, you know, we tried to get them some other help. And we've been holding these student debt clinics to help our members um, figure out the, the maze of this paperwork to get to public service loan forgiveness. So what we saw was that some of the loan servicers like Navient 
um, we're giving people really bad information. And that was part of the problem. It was almost as if the Department of Education and these loan servicers are all conspiring against borrowers to to get this relief. So let's back up there and actually talk a little bit about how loans are even serviced in America. Like what is Navient and how is it actually connected to the Department of Education? So what happened at the beginning of the Obama administration was that Sally May, um, which was one of the big um, entities that held student loans and some of the other banks that held student loans had real issues, um, issues about um, what the interest they were charging, whether it was predatory or usurious, issues around foreclosing of loans, issues around giving um, students really bad information. Um, and this was all happening at the same time as the Great Recession was hitting the United States. So there were all sorts of other issues with banks. And so the Obama administration, with great fanfare, decided they were going to get the financial industry out of the direct servicing of loans that they themselves, the Department of Education, was going to be the holder of loans, and they were going to take accountability. They were going to take over the accountability of loan servicers. So essentially, what happened was that Sally May, which was the biggest loan servicer, became became Navient and became the servicer um, that serviced most of the loans in the United States of America. And it was supposed to be under tremendous oversight and supervision by the Department of Education. So the Department of Education was not the actual um, servicer, but they were the ones that held all the debt. And so Navient now holds or manages this debt that is actually held by the Department of Higher Education. Department. Right. Exactly. Okay. And and Navient is one now of several, um, but it is the, I would say that if you talk to people in the United States who are under the age of 40, they will say Navient is the bane of their existence because most, um, you know, most people who are in their, you know, thirties, early forties, maybe late twenties had Navient as their main servicer. There are other services servicers as well, but Navient basically took over much of what was Sally May's book of business. And so there's all different ways of repaying student loans, as I'm aware of. And so is it Navient's job to basically help student borrowers figure out which repayment plan to go into? That's the $64,000 question. You would expect that given that Navient is working in the public service under direct oversight of the Federal Department of Education, 
Um, and if you look at their mission statements, that should be their job. They should be flexible. They should be consumer focused. They should be helping people decide what payment plan they should be giving people lots of information. If, if people have an issue in terms of, um, missing a payment, they should be helping them. And none of this happens. Why not? I mean, like, that's what I don't really understand, I guess. Right. Well, that's the reason for the lawsuit. What we have come to understand is that Navient makes its money off of um, the number of loans it has and the number of loans it keeps and that they just want to hold that debt if somebody goes into um, forbearance, they want to get somebody into forbearance means or means essentially that they, you know, have missed a payment or two and there's now a penalty on it. Then Navian gets to charge more interest about that or they get to put them in a, you know, in a more usurious, my word, not theirs, um, payment plan. Um, and, but it is in their interest, um, their profit motive interest to hold the debt as opposed to having someone go into public service loan forgiveness. Right. So they need to hold this debt to get the fees and interest yeah, from the money. government. Is that right? Correct. So, and, Correct. and is Navian a for-profit company, even though it is so connected to the government? Yes, it is. So okay, so it's it's this profit motive where they they need to get the higher fees. So they have sort of an incentive to push students into the most profitable schemes for Navian's shareholders. Right. In our judgment, that is um, from what we've seen from their financial plans. And from their um, business model, that's what um, seems evident. Because the level of misrepresentation, the stories of misrepresentation that that we have heard from our members and now the nine named plaintiffs in this Navient suit um, are um, horrible. Uh, they would make you cry. Could you tell us a few stories about these nine plaintiffs? Like, what did they experience working or trying to repay their loans through Navient, trying to get involved in this public service loan forgiveness program? So, um, a couple of ways. Number number one, several of them, you know, went into teaching, college teaching, high school teaching, nursing, and they had no idea Navient never gave them information that they should, as soon as they took one of these jobs, they should send in some paperwork that starts the clock ticking for the 120 qualifying payments, the 10 years of qualifying payments. Navient never disclosed that to them. And so you have people who went to a debt clinic that the AFT ran and they found out about public service loan forgiveness, and they have been like six years into paying Navient, and now 
to qualify for public service loan forgiveness, they have to do another 10 years. And that's, you know, so that's one issue. Then the second issue is that picking the plan. And we have found ways that that where people are just in the wrong income repayment plan and where we have actually helped people reduce their monthly um, loan debt, you know, by a hundred to in one case, um, $900 by uh, one of our members in uh, Miami-Dade. And what happens is when they call Navient, you know, Navient also has a financial incentive to keep calls with borrowers short. Their goal is to keep them under seven minutes. So they do not spend the time on the phone giving them any real information for somebody to actually make a decision. And you see lots of wrong decisions being made, lots of fine print never being looked at. And so people feel completely strapped under a debt sentence from their student loans. And and those are the stories that we've heard over and over again. It's debt peonage. I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. It's the... Um, current iteration of a debtor's prison. Yeah. So you may not ultimately be in prison, but there are some states which will yank your license if you haven't paid your uh, student debt. Student debt is not dischargeable in bankruptcy. So it's it is one of these things that that hang over someone and and for for a very long period of time. And if you went into the public service and and you didn't know about public service loan forgiveness and say, God forbid, you had an illness in your family or yourself or, you know, you were buying a house or something happened that you missed a payment. The first thing these um, Navient and some of these other loan um, loan predators, sorry that I'm calling them that, but I don't know what else to call them, these these uh, servicers, you know, they, they'll immediately try to put you in forbearance or try to find a way to penalize you as opposed to working with you. And, and so those kind of stories we've heard as well over and over again. It's just that when the public service, there is some remedy that helps forgive this huge loan one has. Um, but think about, you know, those who are not in public service, you know, all of the, you know, the, this, this basically burden that they have for, the, for, in many cases, the rest of their life. We have members who are about to retire who still have their student loans. We have people on Social Security who still have their student loans. This is a huge problem that where where we tell kids young adults go to college go to trade school get some education um, beyond high school but then you know and we say it's essential but then they are left with these huge um, loans that that become sometimes impossible to pay back I mean this is what's so tragic about it is that when I've looked at the data on student debt in America and it looks as if it really took off 
basically just after the global financial crisis, when everyone was sort of told to go and retrain, reskill, go back to higher education, because you need to figure out, you know, this new economy is not going to be, yeah. well, welcoming to maybe your old skills, I industries that have collapsed. And after that is when you see this massive bubble in debt emerge. And then you hear these stories about how people can't re make any repayments. And it's, I mean, it's, it's just so tragic. And there's three kind of issues that have collided with each other. So first, you had this huge increase in these for-profit colleges that were um, over-promising and under-delivering, like Corinthian and IT&T, that basically were, um, were fleecing vets, um, veterans, and they were saying, come here and, you know, you'll get a great diploma, spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, and, you know, you can, you know, use your Pell Grants from, from the federal government or other kinds of grants to get there, but spend thousands of dollars, and then they would never get a diploma or the diploma would be worthless or, you know, a campus would close. So, so there was a whole push to try to regulate these for-profit entities. Then you had, because of the global recession, you also had now 41 states spending less on an investment into state higher education than they had done before 2008, thus also hiking tuition more. So the school costs were higher. The need was greater um, for all the reasons you just said. And then even though the federal government took over the loan servicing, um, what Naviant and the others were doing um, were, in my judgment, just as bad, if not worse, than what Sally Mae had done beforehand. So it was a triple whammy um, when, frankly, 100 years ago, when we told kids that, that high school was really important, we used the, you know, we used the tax base to essentially fund public education for all um, and make, you know, public education free to high school students um, because we said it was needed. Now we don't do that um, for, for um, higher ed. Do you think we should? I think we should. I think we have to do more. Look, I think we have to do much more than we're doing right now. I know that there are some issues around the whole concept of free college, but we need to make sure that college is accessible and attainable for people. And as a result, what is happening right now with these death sentences are unattainable. And so it is as it is really important not to just do this prospectively, but to also make sure that we can mitigate, extinguish this kind of debt sentence that people have. That's why I, I happen to love public service loan forgiveness, and I'm so offended that the DeVos administration would do everything in their power to stop people from getting it. And in fact, the Republicans in Congress right now actually tried to eliminate public service loan forgiveness in, in their House bill to... Um, redefine um, higher education. And it was Elizabeth Warren and it was ourselves and others who put up such a stink that that bill couldn't get through. So with this lawsuit, what are you hoping will result from it? Well, we're hoping for two things. One, 
to actually get a judge to say, follow the law and actually give people the right information and don't misrepresent to you have a big role, Navient. Stop defrauding. Stop misrepresenting. Actually do your job. That's number one. And number two, um, there should be compensatory damages for all these young adults, now not so young adults, who really have been misguided and fleeced by Navient. And so we're trying to get compensatory damages as well as a declaration and an injunction for them to do their job. Now, you know, some of the state, it becomes more important now because of the denuding of the Consumer Finance Review Board that the Trump administration has done. They used to be the board, you know, that Elizabeth Warren, then Rich Cordray, who's now, you know, who's running for governor in, in Ohio, that used to be one of the oversight boards, but they've been completely um, denuded by um, the Trump administration. It used to be the job of the Department of Education to do this oversight, but the, it feels like it is the fox guarding the hen house more and more, more and more that, that DeVos really, um, DeVos embraces the predatory practices and, and the lenders as opposed to protecting the borrowers. So we felt like we needed to do more than just the student debt clinics. We had to actually try and enforce the law and make sure that justice could be served for the thousands and maybe millions of people who have really um, taken it on the chin here. So tomorrow is the election in America. And do you think the outcome of the election will impact the student loan industry? Yes, I think the outcome will hugely impact the student loan industry. If people who believe in checks and balances and who believe that this is an issue that needs to be taken up, get elected um, or get reelected. And what that means kind of in English is that, so if you have like a Rich Cordray who wins as the Ohio governor, then that state will do more to help the kids in that state um, with, um, with, with um, student debt. They'll do certain things on a state level, and they'll also do a bunch of things to help put pressure on the federal level. The same is true in a whole bunch of other states. In fact, DeVos, one of the things DeVos is doing is he's trying to stop attorney generals from um, taking these cases. She's trying to say the federal law preempts. Here's the so-called conservatives that supposedly believe in state rights, and now they're basically saying, oh, no, 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 federal law preempts because we want the lenders to have the priority here, not the borrowers. And we don't want you to do the consumer work and the work to help the borrowers. So people like, um, you know, Michelle Lujan Grisham in New Mexico, like you know, Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, like Rich Cordray in Ohio, like Andrew Gillum in Florida, Stacey Abrams in Georgia, um, they've all talked about how important addressing the student loan issues are. Um, Kate Brown in, in Oregon, they've all talked about this. The second piece is 
if we if the Democrats win the House of Representatives, there will be some check and balances on the DeVos administration and on the Trump administration in this regard. And they will um, make them or they'll try to do everything in their power to make them do their job because they'll have some oversight functions. So I think it will help hugely if the Dems win in the House of Representatives and if we win some of these gubernatorial seats. The people in office, the majority party right now, the GOP, does not care about students who have huge loan obligations. They care about the bankers. They care about the loan servicers. Those are the interests they care about, not about the students who have gone to college and have these loans that need to be paid back. Well, Randy Weingarten, thank you so much for joining Fresh Ed. I'm going to be following closely the lawsuit and also the election tomorrow. Great. Well, thank you for um, reporting on this. It's really important to shine the light on it. So we really appreciate it. Thank you. Randy Weingarten is the president of the American Federation of Teachers. For listeners in the USA, please make sure you vote tomorrow. Please note that opinions expressed on Fresh Ed are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate us on iTunes. It really does help. Fresh Ed is made possible through listener donations. Please consider becoming a member of Fresh Ed by visiting freshedpodcast.com support. Fresh Ed's producers are Sherry Yang, Yuval Devere, Hong Zong, and Lushik Waba. An original music for Fresh Ed was created by Digital Primate. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem, and I'll be back next week.